Welcome to the Check Your Head Podcast, the podcast where notable musicians and experts come and share their personal stories and their solutions for mental health and wellness. I'm your host, Mari Fong, a music journalist and life coach for musicians, and we're in the midst of the holidays, having just celebrated the joys of Thanksgiving and Veterans Day, showing gratitude and appreciation for friends and family, and also the men and women in the armed forces who are fighting for our freedoms that we enjoy every day. What better time to feature today's guest, a country music artist who not only supports our military veterans, but who's also worked with the icons and veterans in the country music world, such as Waylon Jennings, Jesse Coulter, and Billy Joe Shaver, and whose single, The Coast is Clear, landed him onto Billboard's top 10 list. This outlaw country artist with a heart of gold is Danny Griego. Danny shares a story about how being struck by lightning became the unexpected catalyst to his music career, and also the beginnings of his post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, which eventually connected him to others who also suffered from PTSD. Danny shares a special song dedicated to our veterans called 22, and also has released a new single called Inevitable. Next, we have PTSD and trauma expert, psychologist Anika Wilson, who not only explains this condition, but also the practices that can help overcome it. Anika talks about a therapy called EMDR, or Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which is often found to be especially useful in PTSD. So let's start our episode with Danny Griego's incredible story. Well, you know... You have a really interesting uh, story, your story about uh, when you were in college and you were literally struck by lightning. You said that you died that day. I did, yeah. And, and was born, you know. And born That's again. Pretty. So tell me about that incident. Well, it was, I'll give you the, the Reader's Digest version, if you will, you know. Um, we were on a fishing trip. I, I like to fish. and. Uh, it was a break between college semesters and I was working on, you know, that's all I was doing was working. So um, I was getting ready to head back and go into a 27 credit hour semester, which you need a waiver. And I really needed a break. And so my boat was hooked up in the parking lot and uh, to my truck and a couple of my coworkers saw it and they said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting ready to go off to the white mountains in Eastern Arizona and fish. And so, a couple of them talked me into going, and uh, unfortunately, one of them drove, and uh, as opposed to me driving, and we took his truck and put the boat on his truck, and and um, when I was taking a nap, he ran a stop sign in a little town, and we got broadsided by a game warden. That should have been a clue, but um, I wanted to press on, so we hooked, the boat was totaled, we threw everything in the back of the truck, and we went up anyway. And I've been going up there since I was a kid and, you know, I've never seen the kind of storm that was pushing through there. Some really, really bad monsoons and golf ball size hail. And his truck was completely totaled by the time we got there because uh, the bed was totaled out. He could have got a new bed, but by the time that the hail hit his hood and his roof, the truck was literally totaled. So we got up there and there was still a monsoon pushing through. 
and I was the only one who knew what to do. So I was pitching camp and getting everything ready. And uh, I was doing the last thing that everything was tarped off on the stone picnic table. And I was walking a tarp line up a tree. I was standing on that concrete table doing it. And I got blown off the table from what they told me about 40 yards, like a piece of paper. I looked like a piece of paper flying through the air. Wow. And, you know, you don't hear the thunder when it hits you. You just, I mean, you don't see the lightning, rather. You just hear the explosion. It's like a bomb went off. And it's, uh, it's very similar to when sailors experience shell shock when, the, when they're in the water because of the, the percussion of the blast. So. Not only did I get the electrical part of it, but you get that, you get hit by the thunder too. They don't tell you that. You know, the, the thunder crack is going on there too. So there's all that energy from that explosion. I had a severe pneumatic concussion from it as well. And in addition to that, it paralyzed my right arm and my right hand for a period of time. My arm came back pretty fast, but my hand took over a month to rehab to where I could to use use it again. And, I was doing exercises and um, nobody really knew what was going on. I didn't tell my parents. Um, you know, when you're that age, you think you get in trouble, so you don't tell anybody. So I had a neurologist and he told me that if I went and got a chord chart, if I learned how to play guitar, it would really help. If I learned how to finger pick, I could put everything back together and it helped connect the dots. And my granddad had left me his old gut string guitar, his old Spanish guitar, and I was already learning how to. A pick, and uh, so I went and got a, a classical chart and learned how to finger pick classically. You know, it's a totally different stance and everything else. And uh, and that was really the beginning of the whole thing for me because I had I had no idea I was going to go into the music field. I was um, except accepted ASU law and I was headed in that direction. And uh, um, I had a job with a big prestigious law firm out of college and. Uh, that all changed, you know. So when the when the good good Lord gives you a hammer, drive nails, you know, because a lot of times we're the ones that get in our own way in life. You know, we overthink things, and we get gifts handed to us, and we don't take them. Kind of like a rebellious children, if you will. Mm -hmm. and we push our gifts away, and uh, and a lot of things that are solutions and paths are laid before us. <clears throat> we push away, and uh, I found out through life that. That uh, a lot of times when you get a path, uh, you always you always get multiple paths, you know. And it's a choice, and uh, we're the ones that make those choices. And I, th I kind of think that the Lord will let you make the same wrong decision over and over and over again until you learn the lesson. And so, for me at that time, um, I was listening, and I I was I decided to go down that road, and and it was a total journey that's led me to where i am today you know every once in a while you know you'll get off your path in life and i'll get off and start doing business stuff and i'll make money to, to further my career you know working for the government and that kind of thing you know because we all do that we're all paying taxes so um and then <clears throat> from time i've got to deal with the man that says if you want me to keep walking the music road you, you draw the line and i'll walk it and so every once in a while i get in my own way and that's usually because of girl or something like that. And, uh, and I get off path and then I can't find the line because I've, I've done this to myself. And then you get to the, to a place where you just are totally lost. And then, uh, and then when you do get back on something, usually dramatic happens to, 
to bump you back on course and then and you see the line again and so i'm kind of right on it right now you know <clears throat> i'm doing what i think i'm supposed to be doing and making music and we're uh we're on the road doing stuff i do a lot of stuff for the military i, I get out there and do a lot of shows for them and whenever i get the opportunity to help out a veteran or the, the people that are guarding our wall and our freedom i do it well thank you so much for doing that because it's so important to have a voice for the veterans. Uh, there's so many veterans out there that are suffering from their experience. I am happy to hear that, that the experience with the lightning bolt for you getting struck by lightning, that music was not only healing physically, but also mentally. Um, did you ever have a challenge mentally after, after that incident happened? Yeah, I did. I had, I basically, I didn't know it at the time, but what I was having is like a form of PTSD. <clears throat> like I said, the doctor explained it. It was a lot like shell shock. Um, a lot of times when you're going through that, you don't know you're going through it. It's just happening. And uh, so it's not like you can identify it and put your finger on it. You're just, you're just having all these things hit you at one time and you don't know why it's happening. So in my case, um, I was in college, and, I, and every time there was a thunderstorm and lightning, I would wake up in a cold sweat, just straight up in bed, just soaked, you know, not knowing where I was, and uh, in a panic, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have any idea what it was. I finally figured out that it was only happening when it was, there was a storm. And what was going on is that I was hearing that big storm and it was taking me back to when I got literally got hit and died. And uh, I think once I you know, identified what the problem was, because I wasn't I wasn't afraid to go out and I love rain. I love it. You know, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the guy that will be out in a rainstorm hunting or fishing. Uh, really like the outdoors. So it wasn't a cognitive thing. But every time it, there was a big, bad storm. Boy, it would put me right into that, just like that. So um, that took, and I couldn't really tell you, maybe it was just because I identified what, what was going on, but it probably took me a couple of years to get past that to where uh, it didn't bother me anymore. So I can be really bad storm now. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why, but... Um, why you're able to get over it? I mean, were there any things that you did in order to get over it? Or was it just recognizing it maybe? Or a lot of things that you're doing or not doing happens in our subconscious. Like I can tell you as a songwriter, I get a lot of song ideas and uh, I'll write them down because you have to write it down. And, and if it hits me real hard, I'll record it because creativity has no memory. You got to get it down just like it is when it's handed to you because it's a gift. So when that happens, I'll put it down and I might not write the song right then. I'll wait and I'll wait because, you know, you only have so much energy to put out. OK, so if you if you work on every piece of creativity that shows up, your work will thin out. You won't get the quality. So and I, I was taught that by the masters of the pen. I got to write with four of the five biggest country songwriters in country music history in Nashville. And I lived with them worked with them wrote a lot of songs with them and they taught me that so i started honing back my thing and not writing everything that came along so and and i'll circle back around here so um when i'm going to write something 
find the premise and I say, okay, that's really strong. It's held up. I've had it now for like three months. Every time I look at it, it still knocks me over. Um, I'm going to write that. And I just commit to it. I'm going to write that song. So I put it in my subconscious. And when it's ready, Mari, it shows up. And I get everything. I get the lyrics, the melody, the cadence, the specific little thing that made it special. I get everything. It's just, it's just there. So um, I think the same thing can happen with healing, too. If you tell yourself that you're going to heal and you need to get past something and you can identify what it is, I think that your mind can work it out in your subconscious on its own. Not to say that you don't need other people helping you through that and walking you to identification points and all that. But the mind is just very, very capable of sorting out our problems. Right, and finding different solutions. And I would think that your symptoms of PTSD, uh, you were really able to relate to some of these veterans and have an understanding of what that's like. Uh, from a physical standpoint, <clears throat> I'm not a... a uh, a war battle veteran. I've been shot at, but uh, I've had guns pulled on me, but I haven't been through what they go through over there. And so you, you can never, you know, until you walk in a man's shoes or, or a person's shoes, you can't, you can't have any idea what they've been through. Okay. And, and every, really every one of their experiences are different. You know, even if just because one veteran, it isn't a blanket thing, you know, they, they go through a lot of different things over there in the battlefield and I'll tell you one of the biggest perspective things working with veterans has done for me. I, I'll tell you a little story. I was in California and I was working for a great outfit called Operation Surf, where they teach amputees how to surf. And if, uh, if that is something that you'd want to do, you can get a hold of Operation Surf and Danny Nichols and tell them I sent you and they'll take care of you. But they take you out there and literally put you on a board and they have you doing things you never dreamed that you could do when you, if you had legs. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that, that program has just radically changed people's self-esteem and opinion of themselves. It's an awesome program. And I was down there working with those veterans. They, had, they brought me in to sing for them. And that day I had on one of these, one of these really nice custom-made felt hats. And these hats are $2,000 and up. And the one that I had was one that took a long time to get the coins together to, to get. And uh, it was custom-made in New Mexico. The only one I've really ever had fitted to my head and it was sitting on my bell cart and uh, I was loading in. So I'm donating my time. I flew, I flew from Nashville to Texas, did a show, flew from Texas to Arizona, loaded up a rig and a PA system because I'd had to have everything, drove all that out there to California and did the show. So I have, you know, quite a bit of, of money in it. And it's a, it's a volunteer gift to the, the veteran type thing. So I was already in it as far as I could really afford to get in it. And some rascal walked by and took my hat off the bell cart. And then they, we saw him on camera because I went to the hotel management. I said, hey, somebody stole my hat. And so they pulled it up and we saw him and they said, well, it's not an employee. There's really nothing we can do about it. And boy, that wasn't the right answer. I was pretty upset. And I was thinking, unbelievable. You know, I'm out of pocket X amount coming down here. And, and now I've had part of what I need to go do my job, you know, cause this isn't just part of me in a hat, but you know, it's a dress hat and I need it for shows and stuff like that. And I was pretty steamed about it. And right at that time I was literally just the manager just walked away and one of the coordinators walked up 
And he said, hey, Danny, I want to introduce you to some troops. And I said, um, okay, great. So I walked over there and he sat me down at the table with half a dozen people. And uh, there was five double amputees at the table and one, one warrior that, got, that punched out of an F-14 broke almost every bone in his body. Oh, no. You know, the guy's in his 20s and walks around. He can barely get around. You know, he's, he's healing. But, uh, and I sat there and listened to their stories, you know. And then one of them, they were, a few of them are powerlifters, and they were having trouble with their prosthetics getting all beat up. And so they were talking about the tape they put on them and stuff. And I've since been working with uh, Cerakote, and we're, we're trying to work that out. And Cerakote has agreed to, uh, when I heard their story, I got a hold of Cerakote. And they've agreed to start coding prosthetics, which they've never done. So that's a whole new thing that we're going to get into, which was, a, you know, is a place and time thing. Lord put you in place and time for a reason. Okay. So I, I sat there and I listened to them talk about what they were going through with their prosthetics. And uh, what were some of the things that you heard from them, not only about their prosthetics, but also about like their, their headspace, what was going on, you know, as far as the change in their life. I mean, having to deal with everything. Well, you know, it's like they were talking about all sorts of things were coming up like funding and lack thereof and how they only had so many, so much equipment, you know? And so, uh, you know, some of these guys only have what they've got on. And then some of them have, as years go by and they get involved in programs and stuff, they might end up with a prosthetic or dress and one for outdoors and different things like that. One for the gym but some of them don't. They just, what they have is what they got. So, you know, when you're talking about some that have $70,000 robotic knees and you can't afford to, to have those things beat up. And guess what? If they get beat up, there's no help there. They, they don't have anybody that can just go replace it. So they've really got to watch it and take care of their equipment. And, and the big thing I was going to tell you is I sat there and listened to that and realized, man, I don't have any problems. I've got no problems, man. You know, everything is relative. Um, and relatively speaking to what those guys wake up with and, and girls and, and go through every day, man, that was a real eye opener and a game changer to me. And uh, I was already doing a lot of stuff for the military and for veterans, but it did nothing but strengthen my position on that and kind of get me in the headspace of, hey, whatever I can do to help those guys that have been helping me and fighting for my freedom. Um, you know, the old line, freedom isn't free. It really isn't. A lot of people in this country take it for granted. Um, their freedoms and uh, Ronald Reagan said we're just one generation away from from having to fight for our freedom some I'm paraphrasing but um people take that for granted they might be the one generation off that never did that and they don't realize that that freedom is a precious thing our constitution is a really precious thing in this country that and um anything I can do to help with that to keep people free and to help those soldiers and to go out and sing for them and entertain them as a payback for thank you. I'm in. I'm all in. You know, the Lord put you in a place and time for a reason. So it was right after that, I was I was literally rolling out of California and I went back to Arizona and dropped out that rig and picked up my bus and I was rolling back to, to Texas. And uh, I got a call from a guy who said, Hey, I'm on, I'm working on a project about the twenty two veterans a day committing suicide. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he told me what he had going on. And there was already an artist working on a song. And he asked me if I would be part of it. And so 
I got with that artist and we put the song together. Long story short, it was, it was two artists, Richard Chrisman and KP Fitz. And we finished writing the song and uh, we went into the studio and, and tracked it. We all kicked in and, and put some coins on the table and, and shot a video on it. And, you know, um, there was a really talented director producer named Jared Christopher who directed it and produced it. We pulled the thing together and I was adamant on it because it was, we had, there were some actors lined out and I was adamant that we didn't use any, any of those actors unless they were veterans. And so we had to go back to the drawing board on some of it. Jared and his whole crew were on standby. We were a week out from the shoot. We didn't have a main character on the thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one night I just had the idea. I knew I had to send the song to somebody. So I sent it to this veteran, double amputee that I met um, along the road. And say anything. I just sent him the song. And he listened to it. And he said that he and his wife been up listening to it. They've been crying and talking all night. And what a powerful piece of music it was. And the world needed to hear it. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, we don't have the main character for the video. And we really need him to step up. And uh, if you know of anyone you can send the song to, don't say anything to him. Just send it. And so he just said, okay. And here we are. Now we're like four and a half days away from the shoot. It's heading into the weekend. We're supposed to fly in the Mississippi Delta at the crossroads where Robert Johnson had his battle and lost with the devil and sold his soul to the devil. Mm -hmm. And we shot at the crossroads because when you're going through a decision like that, you're at a crossroads, a massive crossroads with good and evil in life. Mm -hmm. So we're headed out there. The whole crew is ready to go. One of the guys is already on shoot location scouting. And one of the guys that's investor calls me and he said, Danny, we need to pull off this thing, man. We need to reschedule. And I said, don't do it. Do not pull the plug. He'll show up. The Lord put him in, in our path. He will show up. And he said, okay. I said, man, just pray about it. And I get a text back on a Saturday night before the Monday. And it's from the, the soldier in Tucson. He said, hey, I sent this to a buddy in, in Mesa, Arizona, and he wants to talk to you about it. I said, give me his number. And, and uh, he gave it to me. I said, can I call him now? It's 10 p.m. And uh, he said, yeah, you can call him now. So I called him. And the guy, his name is Brent Bretz. He's a hero. He's blown up in Fallujah. Lost both his legs, over 50% of his lung capacity, half of his arm, massive mental trauma. I saw, I saw the hole in his um, throat, and, and I'm sure that was due to an, an injury. When he was on the table to keep him alive after his, uh, he was blown up in a, in a by an IED on in a in a Humvee, and uh, he said, "What's the treatment?" And I told him, and I told him what the storyline was in the song and what we were trying to accomplish. And he said, "I'm in." I said, "Brent, before you say yes, man, you have to realize that you're being a face and and uh, a spokesperson against suicide, against a massive." demonic principality you're stepping in the path of harm you're stepping in harm's way doing this and i could advise you that you better be all prayed up and, and living right and uh and know what you're getting into you might want to discuss it with the people around you too because they're going to have to deal with it as well and he said i'm in i've been through this i've been through that 
I've been fighting those demons and I'm in. And I said, okay. And so we got him a first class ticket, which is what he should have everywhere he goes. And we put him on a plane and two and a half days later, he was flying the Mississippi Delta to shoot that video. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy did an awesome job. It's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful piece of work that he did. I'm not going to call it a performance because it's not because he's lived it. We did the video and, you know, all we've done with it, all we've been able to do with it, um, we're really wanting to get it on mainstream media and have that video everywhere. But we just floated it out on YouTube and it's got somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 50,000 hits, I think, on it now. Wow, that's wonderful. Million, everybody needs to see that thing. And and really the goal with it is, is the message is, if you're a veteran, reach out to other veterans and let them know that you're there and you can, you can be there for them because it's a peer to peer thing there. It's a lot different. Mari, if, if you or I go up and say, Hey man, if you need to talk about this thing, give me a call. That's a whole different ball game than when somebody that's in your company or your regiment steps up and says, Hey man, just checking on your brother. Right. And you know, sometimes just that phone call can turn things around you know somebody is feeling really down or they're feeling at the end of their rope just a friend or family just calling to say you know how are you what's going on you know i care about you i love you um, that's you hit the nail on the head at the end of the video i we wrote a message okay and the very last line that they say in the message is love conquers all which is right out of scripture okay and it does and that's the message love and just letting those other people know that you appreciate what they've done and you love them. If you have a veteran in your family, that's all it takes a phone call, man. Just reach out to them and say, hey, man, I love you. Appreciate what you did for us, your sacrifice. Yeah. That world to someone who's been through that. I think that's it is, is the recognition, just the recognition of the sacrifice. And the thank you does mean so much. You know, that video really did play like a short film. I mean, everybody in that video, uh, like you said, was very honest because they had gone through it. Uh, But it's a beautiful, uh, you know, it's a beautiful testament to our veterans and our heroes. And uh, I know 22, uh, just to clarify, actually tell me what 22 means. 22 veterans. The statistic is that there's 22 veterans a day committing suicide each day. And from the little, you know, I'm not a researcher, but from the research that I've done, and I think everybody should do that. You know, we're getting inundated by all this news. Do your own homework. Do your own research on everything. Reach out. Dig. Look for the truth because it's out there. Don't believe what you hear. Find out yourself. So the reality of it is, there's not 22 a day committing suicide. There's a lot more because 22 are only confirmed suicide kills. That's it. Those are people who have been confirmed that they committed suicide. It, it takes away um, basically anybody who overdosed on anything, um, car accidents, um, you know, and you can use your imagination. So right. Right. Really, really a small percentage of the reality of the situation. And, Let's say it was accurate. Let's say it's 22 a day. That's a staggering number. It's staggering. It's epidemic. Okay. So we're talking about other supposed epidemics in this country, and we're ignoring 
22 veterans a day committing suicide? Really? We need to be talking about it. It needs right. to be front and center because that's a real epidemic. It isn't manufactured by the media. It's real. You know, now might be the perfect time to listen to your single, 22. Finally home safe, thank God you made it Open arms, open hearts, been waiting To love you Hello, smile, thank you for your service Wounds run deep, hope they don't notice You're hurt inside, friends have died And there's a question Souls keep fading away Twenty-two Hearts that can't take the pain We need you Need you to stay in the spot Twenty-two Hearing up, tearing down at the ready So far now, twenty-two souls keep fading away. Twenty-two hearts that can't take the pain. We need you, need you to stay in the spine. Twenty-two. With those dark clouds rolling And try to take over your night Cry out your sun has risen There's a purpose for your life Twenty-two Souls just fading away Twenty-two Hearts waiting
you know, there's a lot of those songs that when I was writing them, man, I'm just sitting there with tears streaming down my face, writing that stuff. The audience you're playing. And sometimes you have to just look over everybody's head because someone out there will just bring you to tears just like that, you know, um, or you look out there and people are crying. <laughs> That's tough when you're playing a song like that and somebody in the audience is crying. And gosh, it's just tough to get through the song. <laughs> you have to go somewhere else. Well, you know what? I really do think that tears is uh, our body's way to cleanse ourselves. You know, there's something really wonderful about a good cry. We just get that trail dust in our eyes. <laughs> well, one of the uh, organizations you mentioned was Operation Surf. They're a good one. You also, uh, actually at the end of the video, uh, OperationSecondChance.org. Bring when that up. Video we have about six or seven. Um, really high-end 501c3s that do a great job with their contact information. And if nothing else, please don't think the video's over. Watch the, the ends just as powerful as the video because it's all real footage from the battles. And uh, one of them, yeah, is Operation Second Chance, which is Cindy McGrew, awesome lady. What she does is she goes around and funds other 501c3s um, to help them with their visions. So she's just an that's an amazing thing in, in and of itself is talk about a selfless 501c3 going around to other 501c3s are trying to get stuff done that are underfunded is an angel 501c3 and helping them that's what she does yeah so, that's wonderful because you know a lot of 501c3s you know it, it's it starts with a one person that has a passion and often yeah. they may not have the funding but they have a really good idea so, you know, supporting those, those organizations. If, if you help somebody, you're going to get it back tenfold. And we should all be helping each other. There's another 501c3 that's not doing what yours is doing and is a symbious 501c3. You should be helping them. So I'm COO of a 501c3 that has a program called Horses and Humans. Um, we're the ICCA, and um, Horses and Humans pairs PTSD soldiers and horses. And we also work with special needs children and horses. And uh, those soldiers, when they get through our horse program and, and they've conquered some of their demons, they, they might be very, very ready to go into the workplace. And so a lot of times we'll pass them along to other 501c3s like, like oh, think, and we can send them to them and they'll get them a job and they'll get them hooked up in the real world. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of symbiosity out there with, and 501c3s really need to be helping each other out. It's a big part of this. Well, I did look at the, the website for ICCA and which stands for international, Co international cowboy culture Academy. And I think yeah. it's wonderful what you're doing with horses and, you know, using horses as therapy for PTSD and, um, there are other organizations like the Veterans Crisis Hotline. There's 22 Warriors Foundation. And just for everyone to know, if you go on checkyourheadpodcast.com, we have a listing of uh, mental health resources, uh, not just for musicians, but also for our listeners and for our veterans. So, um, so be sure to check that out. I know that you've performed shows at a lot of military bases and um, you've dedicated 
songs like 22. There's another one called Lady Liberty uh, that is also about, uh, you know, our military servicemen and women. So uh, thank you for recognizing all of them. I did that with uh, a cowboy named Michael Martin Murphy. If you all remember him, he had the song Wildfire. And uh, he's, he's a great artist. And, and uh, he's a real patriot to this country. And he does a lot of stuff in the military as well. I had written that song. Um, a buddy of mine is Donnie Nelson. He has the, he's the GM of the Dallas Mavs. I was down at his house, um, at his vacation house. And sometimes we go down there and write. And he's, he's a really good artist. And, you know, we'll go down there and hang out by the lake and write songs. We were down there on one of those Fourth of July trips. We were writing and hanging out with other artists and picking and stuff. And everybody had left. And I was kind of the last Mohican there. And, uh, that song literally blew in the door and uh, it hit, it ran me over. There was no taking the premise and filtering it down and making sure it was strong enough and putting it in myself. I just showed up, man. And uh, I grabbed a pad of paper and a pencil and hung on. And uh, so like two weeks later, I learned the song and I was at South by Southwest doing a music festival and I did a couple songs. I did this song with Billy Joe Shaver called Feeling Like a Three-Legged Border Town Mexican Dog. And the crowd laughed and everybody liked it. And then they encored me. And so I thought, you know what? I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm going to sing this song about our veterans called Lady Liberty about, about how women in this country have served on the battlefront and the home front and uh, how powerful they've been behind our freedom. So. Um, I sang it, and I didn't know, but Michael Martin Murphy was in the crowd, and I was backstage putting my guitar up, and, and I hear this voice behind me, and he's sitting behind me in the booth, and, and he said, hey, Griego, looked around, and I didn't even see who said it, and then, he, then I heard his voice, he said, what are you going to do with that song, Lady Liberty? And I, I just wrote it, I didn't know, so I said, well, I don't know, but if you sing it with me, I'll donate all the proceeds to wounded troops. About 60 seconds later, his arm came over the booth with a phone number, and he said, you call me when you get it tracked, when you get it recorded, and I'll show up and we'll sing it. And that's what he did, true to his word. So um, I've had the, the awesome opportunity to play that for a lot of different people, Joint Chiefs of Staff, World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, some of the biggest parades in the country. And it's really something when you have a World War II veteran wheel his wheelchair up to you and get out of his chair and walk over to you and hug you and thank you for writing a song. It's like, wow, the sacrifices that you've given, you're thanking me, you know. And uh, I just got to sing that song to Maggie Magellis. We just lost him, 103-year-old war veteran, huge hero, most decorated officer of the 182nd Airborne at a, an operation called Tribute to Valor, which is a Gary Sinise Foundation situation. And uh, I got to sing that to his wife literally weeks before he passed away. Um, we just lost him and we just lost, we're just losing, you know, that generation. And uh, unfortunately that we still need him. He still has a mission and it's still going on, even though he's not here anymore. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, um, a real blessing to be able to write songs like that and be able to play them for our veterans. And, and uh, 
let people know that we need to honor and respect them and thank them for what they've done. So many powerful experiences that have happened to me while I've been on the road playing for those guys. And if you start recanting the story and telling the story, I'll just lose it. And sometimes like when I'm singing 22, I can't think about the lyrics. I can't, I can't go all the way there. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate being on your show, Mari. Well, thank you so much, Danny. And thank you for telling us your stories and really um, talking a lot about solutions because there is help out there. And, you know, also reminding us to thank our veterans every day when we see veterans to thank them for their sacrifice and to thank them for our freedoms. You know, it only takes a second, really. It just takes a minute just just uh, telling somebody, picking up the phone or seeing somebody on the street. A lot of the a lot of those, you know, Korean War veterans and Vietnam veterans who were treated so badly when they got home. You know, you see them wearing a hat, a veteran hat, and sometimes it's just a subtle T-shirt or something like that. Yeah, go up to them, let them know that you appreciate what they've done for your freedom. And it, it, you know, it just takes a second to let somebody know you love them. Next up, we have Anika Wilson, a psychologist who specializes in trauma and PTSD who's also a business consultant and coach. Let's hear how Anika explains PTSD and the skills and therapies to help resolve it. You know, we listened to Danny Griego's interview, and he talks about PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And can you explain to our listeners, like in a kind of a simple way, what what that is? Absolutely. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a uh, disorder based on trauma exposure that was initially used to describe people that have been to war. But over the last 20 years, it has evolved. They've understood that trauma can happen to anyone. And trauma is a subjective term. Trauma can be traumatic to one person. The same incident could be traumatic to one person, not traumatic to the other. So when we talk about PTSD and we talk about trauma exposure, that means it can happen from childhood from adolescence, adulthood. It can happen from getting burned in a kitchen to um, having sexual assault or having a car accident or some type of illness. There are so many different forms of trauma. And I like to harp on that because a lot of people only associate trauma with veterans. And that is why so many people are misdiagnosed with you know, bipolar or other things because the symptoms of PTSD mimic a lot of other disorders. So PTSD is the culmination of a traumatic experience and how it manifests in a person. Okay. Now you're talking about symptoms. What are some of the common symptoms or even common triggers uh, with PTSD with veterans in particular? Um, well, in particular, veterans, you're, you're going to see nightmares, you're going to see, um, you may see language. So they may be talking to you and they call you something different or say soldier or um, their speech. You know, they may not be able to identify circumstances or situations. So a lot of times they're trained, you know, to respond to adversity in certain ways. And so even though they're not in a, a war situation or a place where their safety is in jeopardy, they could be at home talking to their family. They can be sleep. I've, I've had a veteran who literally choked his wife sleeping and he did it multiple times at night because the mind plays back memories. PTSD 
symptoms vary. They vary from sweats, yelling, nightmares. Sometimes the triggers can just be panic, you know, panic Mm -hmm. in in so many different ways. I mean, it can be shaking, it can be pacing, it can be, you know, uh, avoidance, you know, leaving situations. It could be lashing out at people and people are like, well, you know, you're over, you're over exaggerating, you know. It's really hard to describe because they are based on the individual traumas, if that makes sense. And I would think the anxiety, maybe even the depression that could go along with it, that when they're hit with the trigger, um, that it's more of a reactive kind of a thing with their behavior. Absolutely. And I would. does it surprise them? I mean, as far as how they respond? I mean, you just gave the example of somebody who tried to, you know, hurt their partner, mm-hmm. um, possibly going through a nightmare or a flashback, you know, mm-hmm. when they were sleeping. You've got twofold. You've got people in denial and you got people ready to deal. A lot of people that have PTSD do not seek help or do not accept that they have PTSD because it's something that you can't see. It's not tangible. For a lot of illnesses that are not visible, which is like an mental illness itself is invisible. It's hard for people to understand. So when they have symptoms and they have flashbacks and they have nightmares, they may not tell anybody. They may deny, avoid. That is the common reaction. And so a lot of times it is the responsibility of the people around that person to make that person comfortable, to be able to actually discuss and identify their triggers and their symptoms to say that this is not okay. You should be able to lay your head down and go to sleep and sleep in REM in peace without thinking about something that has happened in the past, especially if it's going to give you physiological symptoms. Well, that's an important point because, you know, Danny Griego said that when he was struck by lightning and he started to get PTSD, Whenever he would hear thunder and lightning, he would wake up in a cold sweat. He would Mm -hmm. be, you know, soaking wet and just anxious. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he did not tell anybody about it. You know, he kept it to himself. And I would think that when you don't talk about it or or even look at it, that it can just fester. Absolutely. And and I want to go back to what you asked me earlier. You asked me about triggers. To his point, triggers can be senses. They're mostly sensory. So smells, sounds, Mm -hmm. sights, could be a color, it could be a place, it could be anything. Um, Touch, feel, for instance, the thunder. If you associate, you heard thunder, which would be warning, and then you get a bolt of lightning going through your body, which leads to pain, then every time you hear thunder, your mind is going to be fearful that you're about to experience that pain again. And so that's really what PTSD is. Trauma is, you know, where you're fearful of your safety or harm of some sort, whether it's physical, emotional, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing because there's so many concepts that really fit into that, that, that basket. But to his point, I'm sure when he heard thunder, he had physiological symptoms. If he was around somebody, I'm sure he probably tried to like, you know, be brave, you know, cause that's the key thing, you know, be brave. Right. And then it'll go away. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It just festers. And when it festers, then it compounds. 
And when it compounds, then you have a problem really uncovering the true cause and root of what's happening. And that's why you see so many people who may be diagnosed with PTSD or misdiagnosed or have multiple diagnoses. Because when you look at other ailments such as pain disorders, a lot of that comes from unresolved trauma. The body can only take on so much emotional trauma before emotional trauma manifests as physical pain. Yeah, that kind of speaks to like the mind-body connection where, you know, what what's going on in your in your mind is is kind of manifesting through your body and actually coming out as an illness or a disorder or something that actually is causing you physical pain. What are some of the things that people with PTSD can do to kind of help, you know, start that healing journey? Absolutely. So I give everyone permission. I tell everybody to use the word permission. Give yourself permission to do whatever it takes to make yourself feel safe. So for instance, if you have PTSD from war, what reminders can you place around your house? What colors, what sounds, what smells? I'm talking the colors of your carpet and your couch. You know, um, I'm married to a military member and he loves tan and I hate tan because it reminds me of the desert and he's been deployed twice. So I don't want him to feel like he's in the desert when he's at home. I want him to feel like he's in the house. I want peppermint or some, some kind of homey smell, you know, pine needles, you know, Christmas time. You need to really, really be very intentional about your surroundings, about where you go, about what you do. Because the reason that people are triggered is because they're put in positions that trigger them. So in order to not do that, you have to really create a safe environment. You know, the dressings in your house, the food that you eat, the way that you treat your mind, even creating rituals or routines to go to bed. Because you, if you do have PTSD with nightmares, that means that you're going to dread going to bed at night. So then how about you create a sanctuary? You know, make it a thing for you, you know, get get some um, aromatherapies, lavender, you know, take baths, you know, Epsom salt. You may have to do more work for self-care to be able to be comfortable on a regular basis. And you couple that with support. So yes, you need therapy. Yes, you need support groups. You need to be around like-minded people that can help you through whatever it is because that way, when you're able to normalize your situation, you're able to be vulnerable. You feel safe when you're around other people that understand what you're going through. So of course, in addition to creating a safe environment for yourself, that includes the appropriate healthy supports. Because not only are you going to need the support of friends and family, you're going to need support of experts and peers. And so I always say create a community. Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, that is so important, you know, to have support. It's it's great to have that understanding because there's almost a sense of relief and camaraderie Mm -hmm. that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And that understanding, it's almost like a lifeline um, to those who feel really alone uh, you know, going through this, which is, you know, a scary thing. It, you know, we're not, when we're hit with these kind of mental challenges, uh, oftentimes it comes out of the blue and we don't know what's going on. 
right? It's confusing for the person going through it and, and also, of course, the people that are around them. Well, also, and there's a lot of judgment. You know, like I said, pain is subjective. So, and trauma is subjective. So, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even realize that they're being negative to somebody or maybe even discouraging them from seeking help because they're saying, oh, you know, man up. I hate those kind of phrases, you know, but that doesn't mean that you always have to, you know, brush something up under the rug. There is a time and a place for you to be vulnerable and be able to discuss what you're feeling. And that's why you need to have those safe spaces and those supports in place because, you know, you may only feel comfortable talking to other, other people that have been through it. I tell everybody, be choosy with your therapist, because if you have somebody that does not understand PTSD, all therapists are not qualified to treat every disorder. So you need to be very, very intentional about, you know, where you're seeking help, where you're getting support and, and who you're, you're leaning on to make sure that they're not making it worse and they're not, you know, discouraging you from being free. Because to your point, when you're able to put a name to something that you have felt for so long and somebody gets it, that is relief. Because then you're not alone anymore and you're not in that black hole anymore and you can see that there is light and that you have access to the light. And I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants homeostasis. Right. Exactly. And understanding. You know, one thing you mentioned about PTSD is to be aware of your surroundings Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe put yourself, be very conscious about putting yourself in a place where you may not have, um, be exposed to the kinds of triggers that, that you can recognize in yourself. But I'm wondering when you, you know, you can't completely uh, shield yourself because sometimes triggers come out of nowhere and Mm -hmm. unexpectedly. Um, What are some of the reactions or kind of therapies that, that, um, or skills maybe that people can learn to um, have some sense of, I don't want to say control, but maybe control Mm -hmm. over their reaction to a trigger. I will, I will answer that twofold because you said skills and therapies and, and I believe in both. So for therapies, you have cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, That is where you do basically talk therapy. It's, it's where you're able to be cognizant of your thoughts and your mind And that's the therapy that most people know and understand. Um, You also have other, um, you have other therapies such as EMDR, which is rapid eye movement. And that is where I always say this one is very useful for people that may not remember their trauma or may not even understand what trauma it may be. Um, For instance, my daughter currently has a trauma-induced condition that's caused her to be paralyzed and nonverbal. And she doesn't even know what trauma it is because she feels like she's not traumatized. So she's had experiences that we consider traumatizing, but she doesn't see it as such. So I have requested EMDR. That is where you are, your brain is, is basically switched to trick the blocks in your memory to tear the walls down to be able to uncover an experience. Now, what is EMDR? What does that stand for? It is, I always say rapid eye movement, but it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay, is that something that is sort of kind of a subconscious thing or how would you explain that? Yeah, so so basically you are told to recall an event, but 
not always be able to recall it. You may, you may have pieces of the puzzle, but the whole purpose of this is eye movement desensitization. That's why I say rapid eye movement, because as you are explaining this traumatic experience to the therapist, they are taking notes, but they lead you on a journey to uncover a particular incident and they use rapid eye movement. So they literally will take some type of stimulus and cause your eyes to rapidly move, therefore tricking your brain to tear the walls down to uncover the trauma. Wow. Yes, that's, that's breaking it down in a way that the world will understand it. Um, but that's why it's used in trauma therapy. And like I said, it was just discovered in 1988. And it is a form of therapy that's not offered everywhere. You have very limited practitioners that are certified in EMDR, but it is extremely useful. We used to use it in the substance abuse treatment center that I worked in, which is why I've been exposed to it. Um, And I think it's extremely useful for people who may not be able to um, engage and build rapport in talk therapy. Because talk therapy is not for everyone. And especially if you're resistant, if you, you know, you're not comfortable letting your, your walls down, you're not comfortable being vulnerable, rapid eye movement and, and other types of therapies are, are available and I think are more helpful for people that are resistant to, to change. Okay, so Danny Griego, he has a song, it's called 22, and it's about... Uh, mm-hmm. the 22 veterans that suicide. die every day due to suicide. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what are some of the things that we can do to help those who might be having suicidal thoughts as part of PTSD? Suicidal thoughts go way beyond PTSD. I mean, that's, that could be anybody. Um, anybody that may have depression, anxiety, or just... Um, even situational depression, you know, people feel stuck. The first thing that comes to mind anytime you ask me, what can we all do? No matter if you're a therapist or not, or a community member, I always say that community visibility is key. When you see someone isolate, that means they're in trouble. Whether you are introvert or extrovert, it does not matter. Isolation is not normal. You know, everybody has their routines and their level of comfortability being visible in the community. And I always say it is the responsibility of all of us to tell someone when we see changes in an individual, which is why I say visibility, community visibility. Take notice of the people around you when people change their routines, when people go missing, you know, when they're isolating. Also, be empathic. Whether you even know what that word means, just try to be nice and understanding because it's not up to you to determine what somebody else's pain or tolerance level may be, you know, but just be open, be available, be as understanding as you possibly can be. A lot of times people literally just want you to care. They just want you to listen. So just give your time, be available notice the, the, the red flags and the warning signs, you know, it, it, it is your business, you know, and, and then seek help. If, if this is somebody that's really important to you and, and you are invested in them and they're invested in you, you seek help along with them. This is an ongoing thing the the healing process is lifelong. It's not a, Oh, you call the suicide hotline and uh, you got a bandaid, you feel better. That's not how this goes. 
it is a lifestyle change. You got to be different. Like I said about, you know, your environmental factors, you know, and a lot of people get frustrated because therapy takes time. You may not feel relief. You may feel worse in the very beginning because you're uncovering all of these layers. You know, you're peeling back the layers of the onion of different traumatic events. Like I said, it's not a matter of maybe just one thing. It can be a life, you know, lifelong trauma, childhood trauma, compounded with adult trauma, compounded with abusive relationships, compounded with war, compounded with COVID, pandemics, job loss, homelessness. You know, you just never know what somebody has been through, not just what they're going through. And it all matters. Is there anything else, Anika, that you would like to say about um, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, PTSD? I just want people to have an open mind. I think that's the most important thing. I want everyone to understand that, you know, mental illness and the social sciences are constantly evolving. They're constantly coming out with new, new treatments, new strategies, new services, new supports. Um, So, you know, things do change as we learn more about, you know, the community, the disorder and, and just have an open mind, you know, don't worry about labels. We don't, we use labels so that we can have a directory of, you know, medications and, you know, some type of system, but that's all it is. It doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make you any less qualified, any less smart. It just gives you the means to be able to be better. And, and that's all. So I just want everybody to have an open mind and an open heart. A big thank you to our featured guests, the inspiring, talented Danny Griego and the awesome Anika Wilson. For more information on Danny Griego and to purchase 22 or his new single, Inevitable, visit dannygriego.com. For more information on psychologist and coach Anika Wilson, visit anikawilson.com. And if you enjoyed today's Check Your Head episode, share it with your friends, be our friends on social media at Check Your Head Podcast, or support us with a donation at checkyourheadpodcast.com, where you'll also find mental wellness solutions for you and your loved ones. We'll end the episode with a clip from Danny Griego's new single, Inevitable. So until next time, be brave, ask for help, and be persistent in finding the mental health that you need. He gave his whole heart She tore it all apart Pushed him away Forced his hand one day Inevitable Restless hearts Wounded from the start They couldn't live together or survive apart It was inevitable The Check Your Head podcast is kindly supported by DBSA San Gabriel Valley Lemon Tree Studios and Blue Oak Mastering and Podcasting in Los Angeles Visit our website at checkyourheadpodcast.com where you'll find free and affordable resources for mental health and where you can also support us by donating or subscribing to our Patreon page. Thank you so much for liking and following us on Facebook and Instagram at Check Your Head Podcast. And the Check Your Head Podcast is sponsored by a 501c3 nonprofit 
so all donations are tax deductible. Thank you so much for listening and for your support.